What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for coming back to the Wellness Nerds Podcast. In this episode, Lena and myself talk about a new study that just got published very recently that's all about the ketogenic diet and the carbohydrate insulin model of obesity. And this was a really cool study because it actually changed a lot of my beliefs about the ketogenic diet uh, and why it works for some people. So if you're interested in that, if you've ever tried the ketogenic diet, if you're interested in the ketogenic diet and knowing you know, what is the magic behind it, if there is any at all, um, definitely listen to this podcast. And towards the end, we sort of just talk about diet culture in general. So without further ado, let's dive right in. All right. Welcome back to the Wellness Nerds Podcast, you freaking nerds, or should I say study buddies? Um, We're not sure which one we're going to use yet. What do you think, Lena? Do you like nerds or study buddies? So I thought about this, and I actually think that maybe nerds is better. And I'm only saying that because study buddies, I have hard S's, Oh, and it comes off. I can hear it. Now that you pointed this out about myself, I can hear it. Yeah, I need to put like a crazy DSer on your voice in the in post. <laughs> and it's not nothing to be embarrassed about, though. I do kind of like study buddies. And maybe we'll just use them interchangeably when yeah. we're feeling cute. Um, feeling cute. But welcome back to the podcast. Um, here with Lena. Lena's here. Um, <laughs> Lena, I'm you've present. Been, you've been AWOL the past few episodes. You've been super busy with, uh, you know school stuff right yeah i'm working on a farm currently so that's sort of taking up a lot of my time yeah yeah crazy um but lena i i texted you the other day like kind of frantically and was like oh my god i have a study like we need to talk about this on the podcast Mm -hmm. right um and i said this has changed my beliefs about about a lot of things this this study that i read which is what i would say that that's like a big deal because you're pretty not that you're stubborn Mm -hmm. but you need to see a lot of research to change your beliefs yeah so i I don't change my beliefs based off of one little fact right so this study is kind of like a systematic review in Mm -hmm. in a sense that it points to various like different research studies um that were it was overall pretty convincing and i and i think i have uh, changed my mind and i think that is something that's really important for people in our field to be able to do is to Mm -hmm. change their beliefs based upon the the discovery of new information um, a lot of people in our field are very dogmatic in that way. And, yeah. you know, despite new evidence, uh, you know, emerging on certain topics, they refuse to accept that as as evidence or, you know, as as truth of, of something. And right? it's it's tough because nutrition research is still very new, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. stuff is going to be coming out. And we definitely don't know a lot about the whole digestive tract. The metabolism is just like one of the most complex parts of the body. So, yeah. Um, so before we jump into this, um, I think we should plug some stuff in the beginning of the episode because we always do that at the end. And I was on Tyler and Grace's podcast and they always plug stuff in the beginning and it made me think, why do we not plug our things? I don't know. <laughs> we just don't. So without further ado, we're going to plug some shit. Um, go to our website www.wellness-nerds.com. We have articles on there. We have recipes on there. We have products we love. We also have an Instagram at Wellness Nerds. And newly, we are on TikTok at Wellness Nerds as well. <laughs> um, so definitely go give us a follow over there. Yeah, we're uh, picking some fights. Yeah, we Just are picking joking. some fights. No, I, yeah, I've been arguing with people in our comments lately. So it's been fun. Yeah, I don't really see the need to like fight people on TikTok. But but if they're going to be thrown hands. Yeah. You know, gotta protect ourselves. I'm not gonna initiate anything, right? But if if people wanna wanna comment on my videos, I'll, I'm gonna comment back. Uh, so without further ado, let's dive in. This is gonna be um, it's not really a current events episode, even though this is a very current research study. So this was published May seventh, twenty twenty one. Today's May sixteenth. So this was published um, nine math, days ago. Nine. Um, and you said I have I'm the stupid one with math. 
made that joke. Did let, I make that joke? Let the record hold that I know math. <laughs> oh, with the breath counting? Yeah. Yeah, because you can't count to seven or eight. Um, that's too hard for some reason, but you can count to four. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, this study was um, authored by John R. Speakman and Kevin D. Hall. Um, Kevin Hall, that's a name you might recognize. We uh, looked at his previous study um, for the second current events episode, mm -hmm. and we will resurface the findings of that study because they are very um, important to understand in the context of what we're going to talk about today. Bailey, first of all, Bailey is a Kevin Hall stan. Yeah. Like anytime he Love comes him. out with stuff, he's like, must read. I know. Immediately. When I, my, the first time I visited Virginia Tech, which for those of you who don't know is where I'm going for my PhD, um, the first have time you, I. Have you told anyone? On the um, podcast or anyone at all? <laughs> nope, I have not. So uh, may as well. Uh, official I announcement. Officially graduated with my master's degree from Montclair State University um, with a 4.0 GPA, and I was accepted to Virginia Tech for my PhD. Um, and I will be moving down there very shortly. So it's a fun time. And the first time I visited, I was talking with um, one of my advisors there, and we were doing just like a little, um, little, uh, you know. Uh, journal club talking about studies, you know, basically what we do for current events. Mm -hmm. And um, they were just started talking about Kevin Hall. They were like, oh, Kevin Hall posted a new study. Let's talk about that one next week. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm home. <laughs> this is where I belong. You <laughs> guys know who my Kevin people. Hall is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so without further ado, let's jump in. The title of this paper is called Carbohydrates, Insulin, and Obesity. Just three words. Um, and it's, you know, it's a very, very important study, I believe. Um, so we'll start by um, talking about the carbohydrate insulin model, okay? okay. And I'm going to try and break this down uh, as best I can. So I will. I'll call you out. Call me out if I'm talking too much like a, a textbook, okay. uh, like the living form of a, a textbook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have several theories as to why obesity is so prevalent um, and, you know, just how humans gain weight in general. One of those theories is the carbohydrate insulin model. And essentially what that model states, and again, this is a theory, this is not proven, um, this is not a definitive, this is definitely how it happens, um, because as you'll see, this, this study has lots of counter evidence towards this model. Um, but this model states that we eat carbohydrates, okay? So think like, you know, bread. Potatoes. Potatoes, you know, things very sugar. starchy, sugar, mm -hmm. you know, things like that those carbohydrates are going to spike a hormone called insulin. Insulin is responsible for shuttling the glucose out of the cell, or I'm sorry, out of the blood and into the cell, right? Mm -hmm. Good so, so yeah, so when you eat carbohydrates, your body converts it into glucose mm -hmm. for the bloodstream for your cells to use. Mm -hmm. And insulin gets rid of it from your bloodstream because too much uh, glucose in the bloodstream is toxic. Yes. So... And, and that's sort of where we have that problem with people with um, type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. Either they cannot produce insulin, which is the case for type 1, or they are severely, severely insulin resistant, which is the case for type 2, um, which is why they would need to take supplemental insulin to help get that glucose out of their blood, which is why they have high blood sugar because insulin is not there or it's there not effective. Right. Um, so 
this increase in insulin is proposed to um, increase the storage of energy. They call it a storage hormone. It initiates the storage uh, of energy. Mm -hmm. That was a little redundant. Um, And increases energy intake. So um, you're storing the, you know, circulating fuels in your bloodstream, the glucose and the triglycerides, and you are um, at the same time going to be uh, feeling an increased need to consume more food. So you're hungrier. You're hungrier, yes. Um, And that's what this model is saying. Correct. And the other part of that is you have a reduced metabolic rate. Okay. So insulin, it's a multifaceted sort of mechanism where we are storing energy, we are going to feel hungrier, and our metabolic rate is going to be reduced, meaning we're just burning less calories. Yeah, I will say that from at least my education and my background with nutritional science is that, yes, insulin has this cascade of um, anabolic Mm -hmm. uh, capabilities Mm -hmm. where it stores fat, stores Mm -hmm. glycogen, all that kind of stuff, and it creates this cascade of Mm -hmm. responses. Right. And a lot of this is true. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what I'm saying is yeah. that like that this, we know. Yeah. That much we know. Yes. Like insulin does inhibit uh, lipolysis, the burning mm-hmm. of fat, and uh, initiates lipogenesis, the because, creation of fat. Yeah. They're counter. Right. You yeah. can't have both running at the same time, essentially. Exactly. So again, we have this um, because, and, and I just want to explain a little bit more depth because those first two points are kind of related to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so the storage of circulating fuels leaves less available to the peripheral tissues like the muscles because of that we have this like internal starvation quote unquote okay and that's what signals the increased uh hunger the solution to this would theoretically be a low carb ketogenic diet right so if this is what causes weight gain then the solution would be to get rid of carbs therefore getting rid of the consistent spikes in insulin therefore getting rid of the increased hunger lower basal metabolic rate and um, less energy storage. Okay. So that would be, the, that's like the proposed solution. Right. So now we look at, does this hold up in the research? So something just to clarify maybe for our listeners is, so the ketogenic diet means high fat, mm-hmm. moderate slash low protein. Yeah. Very low to none mm-hmm. carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when we look at the research, it's sort of unethical to get a bunch of people and have them adopt these diets for a really long period of time, right? Like have right. a group on a keto diet and another group on a, you know, high carb diet. Yeah, it's unethical. It's unrealistic. It's yeah. People have problems ad- adhering to diets. It's really hard to do this this kind of research. So our evidence is kind of limited to animal studies mm-hmm. and short term human studies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's not really many long term human studies that look at this. Um, so let's look at the first part. Do we consume more food when we're following a low-carb versus a high-carb diet, right? Mm-hmm. So the carbohydrate-insulin model supports that if we are eating a ketogenic diet, we should eat less food right? because high-carb diets would, would cause that, that increased hunger. We would be eating more because of all that insulin you know, right. that is storing all the food and taking it away from our muscles and other peripheral tissues that need it. Therefore, that would increase the need for more fuel, okay? Mm-hmm. So when we look at the research, let's start with the mice first, our little mice friends, mouse studies. <laughs> when mice are on a high-carb diet, they 
actually ate fewer calories and gained less weight despite having higher insulin. So that okay. is evidence directly counter to the carbohydrate insulin model. Right. Now we go to Kevin Hall's study, the one we talked about for current events. Yes. Same thing. Mm -hmm. He put the people on a, a plant-based diet versus a keto diet. When they were on the plant-based diet, they ate 700 calories less per day. Plant-based meaning high carbohydrate, oh, low fat? Correct. It was a high carb, low fat plant-based diet versus okay. a high fat, low carb ketogenic diet. Which is primarily going to be animal-based. Correct. But that's not really the point. Right. So when they were on this um, this plant-based, high-carb, low-fat diet, they had higher insulin, but they still ate less food. So that is evidence against the fact that insulin is going to, um, you know, take energy or take uh, fuels away from other tissues that need it and increase hunger because mm -hmm. they actually ate less, less food. Um, another study found uh, significantly increased satiety, uh, you know, feelings of fullness after 10 to 15 weeks of high carb. Okay. Hmm. So there's, there's even more research. That's so interesting because I feel like when I think about it, typically people who say that like they start off with a very high carbohydrate breakfast, for example, like feel hungrier throughout the day. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think I can go a longer period of time without feeling um, without feeling hungry if I have a ketogenic meal. Mm -hmm. um, or a high-fat meal. Uh, yeah, a high-fat meal. Um, you know, it's more satiating. Um, and I feel like when my body is in, you know, so I'm pretty metabolically flexible. I've tested this myself where I can, you know, do an intermittent fast and, and for, you know, maybe 16 hours and I, my body will be producing um enough ketones to consider myself in ketosis mm -hmm. uh, just from a fast. So my body shifts pretty um, easily into that state. And I find that when I have a ketogenic breakfast and don't take myself out of that state, um, you know, my body is, once it runs out of the, you know, fuels that were came from the meal, it just, it has no problem going right to my body fat, right. you know? So, so I feel like, I feel like this is maybe why the keto zealots out there are like, Oh, but I'm not hungry if I eat ketogenic, if I eat high-fat meals, I'm not hungry, so I'm going to be losing weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this research is kind of showing otherwise. Yeah, and I do have some theories, which we'll touch on later, as to why keto does work for some people, mm -hmm. um, why that does lead to weight loss. Okay. Um, but again, the, the, the research is showing that uh, high-carb diets actually are, you know, in the research at least, look like they are leading to less caloric intake. Question. Mm -hmm. What is considered high carb? Uh, I think in most of the studies, like greater than 60%. Okay. So like the USDA. Sure. Like six, like 45 to 65. Yeah. And, and high percent. carb. Percent. Yeah. Um, and even, and I, I, that's not, I'm, I'm, that's just, I'm just pulling that number out of my head. Okay. But it's not keto. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's the important thing. Right. No, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking like... Compared to maybe like a raw vegan diet, which is completely on the extreme mm -hmm. end of a high carbohydrate, but that was like that's like eighty percent carbohydrates, mm -hmm. ten percent, ten percent, yeah, which is unhealthy. I would I well, would argue. they are um, of course controlling for protein intake. In, yeah, so at least in the in the mouse study, I know for a fact that protein intake was consistent between both groups, and they were only manipulating the carbs and the fat. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Um, That's good to know. Yeah. So there was another one-year study I want to bring up. So this was a year-long study uh, in freely living individuals. So this was not like a metabolic ward Mm -hmm. study, um, but they were told to consume low-carb or high-carb. And they found no differences in energy intake in in sort of like the real-world application. Mm. Um, And uh, as a result, the average weight loss amongst both groups was pretty much identical, despite differences in postprandial insulin. Interesting. And you said it was a year long? Mm-hmm. And these people were compliant? Uh, as far as we know. That's cool. So, um, so yeah, despite, you know, the high-carb group having higher insulin levels, you know, on average, the higher postprandial after a meal, insulin. Um, so this, this kind of shows that insulin did not predict weight loss. Which I will say, like, all of the people who promote not necessarily ketogenic diets, but just, like, low-carb diets in general... I think that they demonize insulin a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I will mm-hmm. say. Yeah. So let's move on to now do ketogenic diets result in fat loss? Okay. Um, so here's an interesting study. Um, and and by the way, all the studies I'm referencing are all cited in the one main study by uh, Speakman and Hall. Um, so all the all these studies can be found within that one study. Within our notes. Yes. So I'm not going to cite each one of these individual. Yeah. I'm just going to cite the one because this. But it will be in the notes. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, so the studies that uh, Speakman and Hall talked about in their in their research, one of them uh, showed that when obese subjects restricted carbohydrates, causing a decrease in insulin, they lost less weight than in isocaloric, meaning they were eating the same amount of calories, high carb group over the course of one to two months. Where is this research coming from? I know. Why haven't we heard of this until like now? It's, you know, it's probably some sort of like echo chamber uh, effect happening where like we hear, you know, like, again, I, this is the model that I adopted. Like I thought this was this carbohydrate insulin model was how things worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are still people that believe it. But after reading this, I think there's a significant amount of evidence against it. I think this also goes to show that. So some people like to say like, oh, researchers cherry pick Mm -hmm. to 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 prove a point. Mm -hmm. And I will say that both sides of the coin are prone to this. Mm -hmm. And this is a good example. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's just. Probably, you know, the fact that I see research that supports my views and remember that research. And when I see research that doesn't support my views, I tend to forget that research, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, that's something to be aware of, you know, in in all areas of life, you know. Well, thank you for admitting that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, try and, I try and be as aware of these things as possible. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important as a researcher. So I'm going into the research field to be very, very aware of these things and, uh, you know, keep an, as open of a mind as possible, Yeah. you know? Um, so that was an interesting study. Um, now energy expenditure, that's another thing that the carbohydrate insulin model says. What does energy expenditure mean? Just basically, you don't know that, Lena? What the heck? You're like in this freaking, <laughs> no. No, I'm advocating for our listeners. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Um, energy expenditure is, uh, essentially like the amount of calories your body is burning, just, you know, being alive. And, okay. You know, just to keep things running, no matter what you're doing. Keep like, the lights on. Yeah, we're sitting down right now. We're still burning calories. If we increased our energy expenditure, we'd be burning more calories, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if we ate like a very thermogenic food right now, if we just like, I don't know, our, if we ate... A chicken breast. If we both ate a chicken breast right now, our energy expenditure <laughs> would go up, <laughs> essentially. Um, so the low-carb diet actually reduced energy expenditure in some studies, um, which is opposite 
what we would expect. We would expect the ketogenic diet to increase energy expenditure, which it did in another study. Hmm. But Kevin Hall in this study said that that was likely due to miscalculations. Oof. So uh, I'm not sure what the dealio there is. We have some mixed research with Throwing regards shade. to energy expenditure. <laughs> yeah. Um, others, other studies do show an increase in energy expenditure with the keto diet. Um, but it was also, uh, it also like went away after a short period of time. Like it was only like initially. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing to note. Interesting. Uh, so with energy expenditure, we're not quite sure okay. what, what the dealio is there. Um, now let's talk about insulin. We've basically gotten to the point now that showing that the carbohydrate side of the carbohydrate insulin model is refuted. Right? Yes. The insulin side is harder to refute because when we inhibit insulin via like pharmacological interventions okay. in humans, like if we take a drug that makes insulin go away, people lose weight. Like that happens. That's and research? That's what this study said. Inhibition of insulin can reduce body fat in the absence of diabetes. So in somebody who doesn't have diabetes, if you can reduce their insulin, weight loss might occur. What? You know, so that's, that's evidence, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, hyperinsulinemia has been shown to not have really any meaningful differences in adiposity. So in other words, people who have like chronically high insulin, there's not really an association there with that and fat gain. Okay. Um, so insulin does not result in weight gain and it doesn't predict future weight changes in, in your average person at, with, you know, not looking at diabetes, mm -hmm. not looking at like exogenous manipulation of insulin right. or anything like that. Um, so I'm going to read a quote directly from the study. So right. based on that, they said, therefore, the extent to which susceptibility to obesity is explained by differences in insulin secretion or insulin action is uncertain. But direct action of carbohydrate-driven postprandial insulin on adipose tissue is unlikely to be the dominant driver of common obesity as proposed by the carbohydrate insulin model. Okay. So what they're saying... That was very science-y. What they're saying, I'll, I'll boil it down. <laughs> we don't know how insulin plays a role in obesity. The research is not there. It's We're not all the way there yet. We're not sure how much of a role insulin plays, but we do know the direct action of, of carbohydrates on insulin, that part, is, is not the uh, driving factor of weight gain, which okay. is what the carbohydrate insulin model proposes, is that high carbohydrates stimulate insulin, that's what leads to weight gain. There is evidence that refutes that, mm -hmm. but insulin is still involved somewhere. Okay. You know? Um, so what the authors propose is that basal insulin, you're just, you're resting insulin level, uh, you're, or you're, you're fasting, fasting yeah. insulin. That is maybe what's more important than the postprandial insulin after a hmm. meal insulin. Um, and that's tough to measure. Like that's an expensive test to be. Yeah. We don't have continuous insulin monitors readily at the available for your average person. I don't even know if those exist in research yet. We have continuous glucose monitors, which can potentially be used as a proxy for insulin. But um, what they said next is pretty interesting. So they said they cited a study that said reduced intake of fat decreases basal insulin to a similar degree of isocaloric reduction in carbohydrates. So if you take, like, let's say you take me, for example, I restrict my, I eat less fat in one day. 
and that drops my calories by about 500, my average mm -hmm. calories. And as a result of that, my insulin goes down. The next day, I bring my fat back up, but I decrease carbs to 500 calories, okay? So I'm eating the same amount of calories both days, but one day I'm eating less fat than usual, the other day I'm eating less carbs than usual. Both of those conditions would decrease my basal insulin to the same degree, indicating that it's not the fat nor the carbs that's important, just the overall energy. Bio lane <laughs> would love lane this. Norton. <laughs> I know. So um, it's the research is pointing to the fact that really just overall energy intake is might be what's driving this increase in insulin. So overnutrition might be the primary thing that is causing this increase in basal insulin and increase in weight gain. Uh, we're not sure how related those two things are, but they sure as hell happen together. Hmm. I, I'm just thinking of all the people in my head who like just say that insulin is the devil and that you can eat, like you cannot eat the same amount of carbohydrates as you can fat mm -hmm. because it'll have a different effect on your body. Mm -hmm. And now I wonder what they're thinking with this sort of research coming out. Yeah. So the the sort of conclusion of this study or the, the whole reason they wrote this paper is to provide an alternate model of how, um, how these things work. I'll leave in the show notes these graphics um, that sort of show, you know, like it's like a uh, what do you call that? Like a diagram, like a flowchart of like, this mm -hmm. leads to this, leads to this, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, it's pretty complex, but hopefully um, our listeners can understand it for the most part. Um, it shows the carbohydrate insulin model and then the new energy balance model, which is like a proposed, like, you know, they, they were not trying to like necessarily shit on the carbohydrate insulin model, just like make a new model that's in agreement with all the research. And that's what they did. Um, so the other thing they mentioned is that, you know, they weren't trying to shit on keto either. Um, they said that it's not that keto diets aren't effective. It's just that the action of insulin is likely not the primary mechanism mm -hmm. because some people do have success with keto uh -huh. and weight loss. Right. Some and then, people. and I will say then that just, just like we mentioned before and like Lane Norton is famous for this, it's not the diet, it's not the macronutrient breakdown, it's the caloric it's likely the calories. Yeah. yeah. And so here's my theory. You ready? And I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Okay. And I think this is likely the case. Um, so in the research, so let's take Kevin Hall's previous study, for example, the plant-based high-carb versus animal-based ketogenic. Mm -hmm. They ate about 700 less calories per day. With, with uh, the plant-based? Yes, with the plant-based diet. I went into the, I found the full text of the paper, which I didn't have access to when we recorded the last episode. So I combed through the full text and I actually found the exact meals that they were eating. And I looked at every single meal and those were very, very minimally processed meals. Even their snacks were like fruit and nuts and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, the, the extent to which like processed foods played into that that menu that they were allowed to choose from was very very minimal i think the the like the most processed thing i saw was like toast and a little bit of jam yeah like there were no packaged like cookies crackers ice cream dessert type things like mm -hmm. it was a solid whole food based diet um which he's also famous for like yeah doing Kevin research Hall's, on uh 2019 study showed that when when people follow an unprocessed whole foods diet they eat less calories 
um, yeah, about 500 calories less per day compared to the ultra-processed mm. diet. Um, so my theory is that in the research, when we control for the processing of food, when everybody's eating, um, you know, whole foods, we see that, you know, that less calories uh, are eaten in on the high carb group. In real life, though, that's not the case. In real life, the typical American diet is loaded with processed foods. Um, the research shows that more than 58% of our calories come from ultra processed foods more than half of the calories we eat as humans are ultra processed right yeah so when somebody goes from that to a ketogenic diet i think the amount of processed foods that that person is eating is dramatically dramatically reduced oh yeah and the research doesn't reflect this this real world application right it's yeah. not like the high carb group was eating a ton of ultra processed foods because if they were i think there definitely would have been different results i would love to see this this same study replicated but in keep the keto diet group the same but instead of the you know the whole food based high carb group throw a bunch of processed shit in there right mm. because that would be more representative of what your average person goes through when shifting to a ketogenic diet they right. typically go from like a crappy processed diet to a ketogenic diet i disagree i kind of disagree with that just a tiny bit because and we just had this conversation earlier today costco oh, has yeah. just an entire aisle of ketogenic snacks they are becoming so much more prevalent yeah and that's a really good point to bring up and i think I think keto diets are, are going to stop being effective because of how it's like, uh, what does a whole 30 call it? Sex with your pants on? <laughs> like, that's what it is. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, like you can't it's a just really like, good way to describe it. Yeah. You're like, you're defeating the purpose of keto by throwing in all these like processed, like oh, keto, keto candy. Blah, blah. Because as we know now from the research, it's yeah. not really the, the like, um, the lack of insulin that's making you lose weight. It's just that you're eating less food overall because you're probably eating less processed foods and you're eating more like whole foods. You're eating like more nutrient rich, like healthy animal meats and healthy yeah. fats and like low starchy, like, you know, cruciferous vegetables yeah. and like I, blueberries and low sugar fruits and things like that. Like, yeah, like I don't have evidence or research to back this claim right now that I'm about to say, but. The people I know who follow ketogenic, aside from you sometimes, mm -hmm. when eating ketogenic, it's highly processed. Yeah. Including the meats. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. and I just don't see how that is healthier. And I think, so I will also say that I was vegan from high school into college. Mm -hmm. So a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I... Like, vegan wasn't big. Mm -hmm. Lots of my friends were like, what What even is vegan? Like, what does that entail? What do you have to eat? What can't you eat? And because of that, I didn't have access to a lot of, like, the Beyond Meats. I didn't have access to Impossible Burgers mm -hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff that, that, that are on the market today being advertised as vegan. I was eating vegetables and beans and tofu and that kind of stuff. And I would say that... I feel the same way towards the vegan diet today than I do the ketogenic diet today because mm -hmm. any like you can make cakes vegan now. Yeah. That mm -hmm. wasn't I had to make that from scratch if yeah. I wanted that. Mm -hmm. You can go to Trader Joe's and get a vegan donut or whatever, you know, like mm -hmm. 
honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some study that showed like the effectiveness of diets, various diets over time. I would not be surprised if surprised if that study showed that every diet has been getting less and less effective over the years because of this. Because I think that that's a good point. Because we're finding ways to make it. Because main because okay so the mainstream culture around this food or this diet I should say it it just blows up in the food industry because the food industry is very profit driven mm -hmm. and if people are like avoiding foods because they're on a diet now yeah. they're gonna make that version of the same food yeah we're finding loopholes every chance we get to make any diet resemble the typical American diet, which is what we want to follow. Like yeah. it's ingrained in our brains at this point. You can go like, to a restaurant and get like a whole vegan platter of stuff, but it'll be like yeah. fried, like French fries and yeah, all like these. It's, it's, we're, we're finding every loophole possible with diets these days. It's like you we're just striving to make every single diet keto vegan paleo every single one we're striving to make it the typical american oh, yeah. diet like, with like you know by finding loopholes by using like oh we're gonna use monk fruit and it's not really sugar but it's gonna taste the same or like you mm -hmm. know we're gonna use pea protein or soy protein it's not really meat but it tastes the same like you know what i mean yeah and and i think that it's funny because like there are like jokes when when you're paleo for example and it's like oh paleo cookie and then like a dad pops in and is like what cookies did they eat in the paleolithic era mm -hmm. and it's like good point dad yeah <laughs> they didn't they didn't and we're like bastardizing this idea of of health yeah so i think it's definitely this holds true for keto um just to sort of circle back to this um i think the ketogenic diet where it's effective is in reducing intake of ultra processed foods and i know you you said that, you know, today keto diets are becoming more and more ultra processed mm -hmm. because of all the new products that are coming out. Um, when I look at somebody like my dad, for example, who, who occasionally goes into, you know, phases of keto, mm -hmm. um, that's definitely the case for him. He eats a lot of really ultra processed foods, but we, when he's on keto, he makes every meal himself and mm -hmm. he'll have like a little sugar-free dark chocolate, but I, you know, that's, I don't have any problems with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's why he loses, he consistently, every time he does it, he loses weight on keto. Um, but then there's the bounce back, which I know you mentioned you wanted to talk about where, yeah. you know, keto is not like a place to stay forever. We're not advocating for long-term ketosis ever. I don't think Never. that's a good idea. When I do keto, it's for a short period of time and it's mostly just for an increase in cognitive function if I have like a heavy workload. Right. Yeah. I think that I've just like, so also I will say from a personal standpoint, I did ketogenic for like a month mm -hmm. do you remember that like yeah, leading for up your, like your joint health right you wanted to like reduce inflammation no before that like before that back when we had like just met do you remember that yes kind of and i remember i lost weight i had i had a hard time eating because again we were making our own food we were making like meatloafs and like vegetables mm -hmm. and like spinach salads with like chicken salad and all that stuff do you remember that period was I keto too at the time probably or was that when i was eating like an entire lasagna for dinner every night no that was that was a that was a weird phase in college <laughs> 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 i remember seeing, like every night make an entire do you remember the lasagna. sausage one with peas that was so that good. was really oh, good i made some killer lasagna but you did <laughs> i literally ate like four or five thousand calories a day Okay, but anyway, so I did keto, 
because I, li- I at the time I was like, I like to experiment. I just want to try it out, see what the see what the hype is all about. And I did it. I had a hard time eating. I was full all the time, kind of oh, uncomfortable. Didn't love it. Now. Yeah. And then I will say, I probably I probably lost weight. I don't mm-hmm. exactly remember, but coming off of that and being like keto is just like hard to follow i don't like it Mm -hmm. i don't enjoy eating anymore and Mm -hmm. like food is like a big part of my life and it's what i get a lot of joy from i put on like 15 pounds after After? that yeah wow i i thought you knew that i i didn't know it was that much yeah and i'm like not a big person so Mm -hmm. 15 pounds is like kind of a good amount mm-hmm. for me i'm five foot four and what do you think that was like why do you think you gained that weight i honestly i don't know i i honestly don't really know it could have been the whole like bounce back from a diet like go ham on carbs again but i don't think i even mm-hmm. did yeah so yeah because when when my dad does keto i always tell him to you know take a break like don't mm-hmm. do a long stint you know do like a week or two and then have a day where you eat carbs and every time what happens is he goes like balls to the wall that day yeah because it's a cheat day yeah that's what people call it and it's they try and eat everything they've dreamed about eating all in one day yeah and then they're like oh i need another day it's all right i'll, I'll do it the next day i'll do i'll get back on the next day i'll get back on the next day and then even you know still it's like it just like derails the whole thing yeah when you Um, tell yourself that you can't eat something it makes you want it a thousand times more exactly and i think that's a big problem in these diets is like the like the strong attachment to these foods that you can't have make you feel like you need to like fulfill that every little chance you get and it like is really easy to derail the whole thing which is why i you know just eat real food don't want to die like you don't need to eliminate entire food groups just eat real whole foods and try and like eat less ultra processed foods like i will stand by that and that doesn't mean supports that you know that doesn't mean never eat a donut again never have cake again don't enjoy your birthday don't enjoy a holiday or even just like if you freaking just want to go out to eat yeah like if you allow yourself that and and you don't have this mentality of of scarcity of like this is my only time to have it must enjoy it now yeah i'm gonna ignore all of my physical cues if i'm too full maybe i should stop mm-hmm. and that's what i have i just have that problem with diets in general i don't care what diet i don't care if it's ketogenic i don't care if it's paleo mm-hmm. diets don't work mm-hmm. the fact that someone has to go on a diet every so often is like proof that that you just have probably a bad relationship with food mm-hmm. you you view it as black and white good or bad mm-hmm. And then you feel like you put this morality behind it. You you tell yourself, like, I can't have it at this point. But then eventually later down the line, there's going to come a point when you have it again. Mm-hmm. And instead, if you just view food as, I could literally have this whenever I want. Mm-hmm. I can have a donut literally whenever I want. That takes the power away from the donut and puts it in, in your hands again. Mm-hmm. When you know that you can have something, like... I used to be able to like, or I used to not be able to eat dessert Mm -hmm. and just like stop when I was full because I'd be like, oh, like I can't have this tomorrow. Yeah. But literally if I tell myself, you can literally have this again tomorrow night if you want. Yeah. Then it like makes it less, like I eat less fast. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just like so much calmer around food and, and yeah. And I know that like intuitive eating is kind of like trendy as well and that like maybe could be considered a diet yeah maybe but if you're just i think that's the goal though is to be able to eat 
what you want when you want. Yeah. I also think I was, so I was talking to my friend, um, Alex, who, um, was the guest on last week's episode. Um, and I was saying that a big problem with diets is they don't account for life. No. They're, they make the assumption that you can like do this indefinitely forever. And that's like a really bad assumption to make because that's just not how life works. And so as I was talking to him, I, I said, I think the way you need to go about these things, because so he's in his film, he's there's a his character goes through a, a significant physical change. There's like a time jump in the movie. Mm -hmm. So he's going through that and he's trying to do it in a way that's really sustainable and not, you know, damaging to his mental health. So we were having a big conversation about this. And I said, I think it's really important to take it day by day. Anything you're doing, you need to take it day by day. And every morning, ask yourself the question, what is realistic to ask of my body today? What is realistic for me today? Like, can I, is it realistic if, if I, like, if I know that I'm like, have a big workout planned and I have to like, you know, go somewhere, I have to travel somewhere and I don't know, do something. I have a lot of work to do. It's like a busy day. I'm going to be on my feet all day. Is it realistic for me to eat 1500 calories that day? as my quote unquote diet is wants me to do no like you need to take these day by day and ask okay no that's not realistic today i'm going to need more food i'm going to need um energy you know like mm -hmm. you need to consider these things that diets don't account for yeah mm -hmm. i think that we have this very weird obsession with short-term quick satisfaction mm -hmm. and that's what diets are it's going to give you like you could literally do anything yeah. For like a few weeks, a month and get some sort of result. Mm -hmm. But life isn't about just getting short results. And and I think that we need to stop putting so much pressure on ourselves to look a certain way, to weigh a certain amount, because we're all different. We all have very different metabolisms, uh, body needs, mental stresses, access to food, access to being active, like, you know, like Ha like having an able-bodied having an a different able-bodied mm -hmm. um and so i just hate that we equate like metrics mm -hmm. with health oh yeah because yeah like you could literally eat a cookie a day yeah i think that was like a thing do you remember the cookie diet no. i think like snooki did that what <laughs> yeah she did like a cookie diet maybe mm -hmm. i don't remember exactly but it had something to do with cookies and she lost mm -hmm. weight but that doesn't mean that it's healthy and i think that yeah. that we always take out mental health yeah from the equation mm -hmm. we don't consider that yeah and that's a big thing i talked about with alex last mm -hmm. week too he said at one point in his life he lost a bunch of weight and people started telling him you look so good now oh my god and it's and he said like it was hurtful because you know, you don't know how that weight was lost. Like, you don't know. Like, he, he said that we're so oriented on the result. Like, it do, people don't give a shit how you lost the weight. They're just like, oh, you lost weight? That's so good. Good for you. But, like, for all they know, you could have been bulimic. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's people need to, to think about that. And yeah. it's, it's like, stop focusing on the fucking results. Like, stop focusing on the, the aesthetics. Like, it's about your health. It's about your, your mental health. Like, that's so important and so often overlooked. Yeah, I know that this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I know that this conversation kind of took like a turn. Yeah, but I think it's just 
like, yes, we're so obsessed with, like, like, this research is interesting because it shows, like, diet, like, X diet is not as useful as this diet, but maybe question, like, why are you on a diet? Mm-hmm. Are you healthy? Are you just trying to fit a certain aesthetic mm-hmm. or like a beauty standard yeah. that is set by someone to profit off of you? Literally, beauty standards are just like mm-hmm. capitalism. And something that I saw on TikTok a while ago was like, every time I feel bad about myself, I ask like, or like my physical appearance, every time I'm like, oh, so fat today, blah, blah, blah. Ask yourself, who is profiting from this belief? Oh, is wow. the diet industry profiting the clo- like just like it's capitalism it literally That's is powerful clothing yeah. like who is profiting off of it the wow. patriarchy <laughs> <laughs> wow that's crazy i've i've never thought about it that way um yeah that's that's a powerful thought who's profiting off of this yeah. I like that um all right, Lena, we've been talking for, you know, almost 50 minutes now. So let's wrap this up. Uh, I know we kind of shifted and just started talking about diet culture and, and all that stuff, which is I'm happy we did. That's a, you know, both of us got pretty fired up mm-hmm. there, uh, which is good. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode um, and sort of our take on the ketogenic diet and just more diets in general towards the end. Um, you know, it's not really just to wrap up. It's with keto. It's not really you know, some special like mechanism with insulin that's really uh, affecting or, you know, making it effective. Um, It's more so that it's likely leading to just a greater intake of whole foods, less intake of processed foods with the typical American diet. But like Lena and I said, more and more processed keto foods are coming out nowadays. And I wouldn't be surprised if the effectiveness of keto starts to diminish with that increase in these processed keto baked goods and, and whatnot. Um, so with that being said, um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Rate us five stars. Go check out our website and all, all of our other stuff. Check out our TikTok. Oh um, we'll, we'll leave links to that stuff in the show notes, or you can just go type at Wellness Nerds on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, with that being said, thank you so much for listening, and have an amazing week. Thank you. Thank you.